The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Well, now I'm joined in studio by a former Minister for Communications, former Labour Party leader, uh, Pat Rabbit, who's been reappointed as the chair of TUSLA, the Child and Family Agency. Pat Rabbit, good morning. Good morning, Pat. You've signed on for another two years. Another two years. The batteries are you mad are... or what? <laughs> the batteries are definitely winding down. Yeah, it's a tough job. I mean, OK, you're not an executive chair, you're a chair. But still, the demands on the resources of TUSLA seem to be endless. You couldn't have envisaged them at the time that it was founded. You know, the extent of the global movement of people uh, has taken everyone by surprise. You know, we didn't envisage a, a war on European soil again. Uh, we didn't envisage a pandemic and we didn't anticipate a cyber attack. And uh, all of these have been exceptional challenges. And the global movement of people in terms of separated children, unaccompanied minors arriving here, uh, is a huge chat. We're very stretched. Yeah, but how much of your workload is that? Uh, it's it's uh, it's a very urgent area of the workload at the moment. It means I mean, you have to put other things aside when these children come in with may uh, many of them might have post traumatic <laughs> stress disorder. Many of them will be suffering from anxiety, separation anxiety, if their parents are not to be found. Um, so, so they've got chronic problems, which means some of the other problems have to be... Yeah, I, I mean, because this has been apparent now for more than 18 months that the figures have been rising dramatically, 500% increase last year, we have been able to uh, put additional staff uh, in, into those areas with the support of the minister. Um, and what you've just said is true, but it's also true that uh, a lot of the young people, for example, coming from Ukraine are just perfectly normal young people who want to get on with their schooling and get uh, access to work if they can and so on. So their needs are not as acute uh, as some of the needs that you have from elsewhere. Now the numbers are roughly a third Ukrainian, two-thirds other uh, third countries, Somalia, Afghanistan, so on. So it's about a th- roughly a third yeah. to two. But thirds. in terms of the the caseload, you've other tasks to, uh, to deal with, uh, indigenous tasks, if you like. So, how much of of your uh, f- say foreign arrival tasks compared to your indigenous tasks? Uh, the indigenous tasks are still the greater part of the responsibility. There's no doubt about that. I mean, uh, you know, uh, we reflect society. And there are a lot of imperfections out there. Uh, Parental mental illness, uh, uh, drug addiction, misuse of drugs, uh, aggravated poverty, marital breakdown, uh, dysfunction in the family home. Uh, This really is the primary focus of TUSLA. Now, you would share probably a common experience with other frontline workers. You know, the guard that you're giving out as nurses in emergency departments and doctors in emergency departments saying, you know, we're put to the pin of our collar. It makes working here very unpleasant. And therefore, they head off to Perth or wherever they want to go or, you know, guard they leave and take up jobs in security elsewhere and so on. Is that the way it is in, in TUSLA that... Because you're understaffed, it makes the job much more difficult to do and therefore people leave, which is compounding the problem. We definitely have a churn. Uh, There's no doubt about that. Um, 
reasons, you know, young people join as social workers, do a couple of years, and then all of a sudden decide either of two things, that they want to see the world and spend two or three years in Melbourne or whatever, or others who have found alternative employment in what they consider perhaps less onerous areas of social work than you have in Tusla. And uh, that churn obviously causes a difficulty. I mean, in a predominantly female workforce where you have, um, you know, maternity leave is a significant factor, that if it happens to a cluster in a particular geographic mm. uh, area, then you, you really do have a, you're scrambling to make up. Yeah. And obviously, uh, social workers have a caseload. Um, and if that uh, person has to take maternity leave or sickness leave, whatever it might be, but just has to take leave, those cases have got to be passed on to somebody else. Continuity must be quite difficult. It is challenging on occasion. There's no doubt about that. Uh, we've been involved now for some time. We're more than midway through on a pretty fundamental reform program that is uh, changing the practice as traditionally uh, done, which means you will have, for example, more integrated teams rather than a social worker as a sole trader coping with uh, so many cases. And that kind of development, I think, will help. Uh, the the reform program, I mean, change is never easy and mm. uh, so on, but there's no doubt about it. Uh, it it has been transformed in the last few years. Minister Simon Harris on this programme uh, last week uh, announced that there'll be new formation for social workers. It has been uh, typical that they come out of the universities and they uh, get their degree and they go into social work. Um, do you welcome the new initiative? I do. I do, yes. I mean, uh, the training of social workers has been the preserve of the traditional universities. Uh, I think we can broaden that out. The technological universities, some of them are more than happy uh, to help. They will attract a new type of uh, young student from their own immediate catchment areas. There are also there there's also work going on about exploring alternative pathways to so, social work. You know, and the uh, Simon Harris apprenticeship model is one such uh, model. Also, the facility to allow social care workers to acquire uh, social worker uh, credentials. Status, because they're, Status, they're yeah. doing part of the work uh, without necessarily the academic backup, but they would lick that up very quickly. Yes, um, they would. Because and the, some of them are anxious to avail of it. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the whole question of mature recruitment, uh, which would be the case with the social care workers, I mean, the Gardaí have gone for the up to 50 model, mm. And there's no doubt that there might be those who've raised a family, for example, uh, who would find uh, social work very rewarding, uh, either on a part-time or a whole-time basis. Well, that's an interesting point. Uh, That's an interesting point you make, because last year, for example, we had 145 rehires. I thought that was very interesting. People who had left and came back by choice last year, 145. I, I thought that was interesting. Um, Have you interrogated them, though? Why? 
Well, we have uh, we, we have a, a fairly in-depth project going on in that regard. We brought in outside consultants to uh, deliberately uh, independent outside to uh, explore with staff their response to various things under different metrics. And uh, that has been a very useful project. And we're now uh, tackling that on a more micro basis to find out what the feedback is. Yeah. And now you're, you're obviously caught up uh, as an organisation in public pay uh, agreements, whatever they might be. But this one here says, regarding social workers, pay them, pay them, pay them. It's not rocket science. It's, it's an extremely demanding job with a high burnout level. Pay them what they're worth and they will sa- stay. The same for the nurses, doctors, uh, teachers. Isn't there always a problem when there are parities that have to be observed and you get people working on the front line in whatever capacity, uh, really working hard and yet confined to the pay scale and the increments? It's always a problem in the public service, uh, as you say. Um, And, uh, you know, we're not really in control of the situation ourselves. I mean, ultimately, deeper, the Department of Public uh, Expenditure and Reform you know, uh, we'll have to approve uh, changes to the So there's nothing you can do to incentivize. Not a a great deal we can advocate and all of that. I'm not sure, judging and looking at the survey and uh, generally uh, talking to people and to the... I'm not sure that, that, that salary is an issue that comes up too frequently in Tusla. I think by comparison to Northern Ireland or Scotland or whatever, I think we do reasonably mm-hmm. well. Um, I've worked in Tusla, says a texture. I found the culture extremely negative and productivity, suffer- productivity suffered. What is Pat Rabbit's vision for culture change, if any? Well, the reform programme that um, uh, I mentioned to you earlier is built around the three pillars of structure, practice and culture. Now, culture is ironically, arguably the most difficult, and it is the last of the three. Because culture is about people and attitudes that people have and perhaps pass on. And inherited from their previous arrangement and under the health boards and under the HSE and so on. And, uh, you know, the, the, the message of change is being carried at the moment by managers to different parts of the country, to the people at the coalface, uh, we need to improve our communications area and so on. So we are attempting to, you know, without in any way reflecting on the sometimes heroic work being done by some of these uh, people uh, to say that change and the change dynamic mm. is unavoidable and we have to, uh, we have to, uh, to, to plough ahead with the reform programme. Mm. Now, uh, Pat, we will have an election you know, whether it's months or a a year away, but it's coming, certainly. Uh, What are your thoughts on Social Democrats and the Labour Party? Well, uh, I don't don't envisage any great uh, change between now and the general election date. I think for a lot of reasons that probably the, the, the two parties will contest as separate parties. I mean, there is no policy difference between them. And it's not the first time in history. But it's a branding thing, isn't it? It's a branding thing, yes. Um, You know, the Labour Party paid a a heavy price for its participation in the government after the financial crash. Uh, What exactly anybody would have done differently, Mm -hmm. I'm still, after all these years, waiting to hear. I mean, uh, he who pays the piper 
calls the tune. And we went into government in 2011 in circumstances where uh, the Troika determined whether we got any uh, budget or allocation for any given area. And we had to operate within those parameters for three years. And that was painful and painful for a lot of people. Mm. But given the disaster of the crash, the biggest significant financial crash and recession in the history of the state, uh, it, it, uh, it's a miracle that we bounced back so quickly. However, we don't get any credit for that. Yeah. And, uh, and, and uh, yeah, you got quite the opposite. You got we deficits uh, for it. Finally, yeah. uh, your reflections on the electoral landscape generally. I mean, what do you see as likely to happen? It's, it's uh, almost foolhardy, isn't it, to forecast uh, the, the, the brittle environment that is out there and, you know, the notion by a lot of people that we're living in the worst of all possible worlds. Uh, I mean, when you have a look at the migration issue that we talked about earlier, I mean, we're very fortunate in many ways. That's not to say that there still aren't inequalities in our society. But it looks like it's going to shape up as a, a, a government versus uh, the lead party but Sinn do, Féin. Do you see a government of broadly the left, if that's what no. Sinn Féin are? No, I, I, I don't. Uh, I don't. And I think there's a lot of mis, uh, uh, miscalling of that issue. I mean, Sinn Féin is first and foremost primarily a nationalist party. And uh, I don't see uh, social democrats and people for before profit don't do government. So they're not going to come to the rescue. Uh, I don't see Labour or... Uh, Social Democrats uh, helping that effort out. Uh, so, you know, there will be a lot of post-election negotiations. You're likely to have a lot of independence. I mean, uh, the mood out there at the moment is, you know, uh, so the new farmers leader saying that he was warning all the parties that, by God, all of them would have thunder coming down on their heads. Well, if that's the case, all you can do is vote for independence. And uh, I must say I would take some convincing that uh, a plethora of independence is an improvement from the point of view of the country and uh, the people of the country. I mean, they're free now of the party whip. They no longer have to observe broadly uh, a party discipline. So they go and do and put down motions and will put down motions to create as much attention as possible between here and the election. But as regards credible, thought-out policy, uh, it's not going to be forthcoming. So some of them will support if, uh, you know, there was a government within striking distance, uh, they they would vote for whichever is the larger As long as the goodies were there. Yes, absolutely. Pat Rabbit, Chair of Tusla, thank you very much uh, for uh, joining. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.